Well, Hawks fans, we're officially on the road to round one, and that means we're back in action here on the Hawk Talk podcast. There's a heap to get to from our practice match out in Morwell to some huge injury news and a bit of behind-the-scenes stuff too. Hello, my name is Nick Mason, and joining me is a man who had a little bit of a listen to Gippsland Live to catch the Hawks in action. G'day, Tiz. Yeah, that was good fun on the train, wasn't it? Going to the state of origin, just trying to get you a little bit envious you couldn't hear and I was just chucking little snippets at you about how good Jaco was <laughs> see mate I could hear if I wanted to but I decided to take the more um social spend quality time with my friend route um of which you declined that path <laughs> yeah and, and Jones was killing it and uh... <laughs> no no I, I definitely had the option to listen but i thought uh you'd play reporter for me and uh it was interesting we were multitasking weren't we that evening listening to the practice match as we're headed to uh marvel stadium yeah it's good night actually and a good result even though we had more than i think 10 more interchanges than uh or 10 more blokes on the interchange than uh st kilda at the final whistle so not really one you can hang your hat on all right well i'm gonna claim the victory anyway <laughs> Because uh, Hawthorne defeated St Kilda 11-8-74 to 6-12-48. And we had a fair few blokes out as well. I mean, you've got to understand that Mitchell wasn't there, McAvoy, Sicily wasn't playing, Smith, Bruce. I didn't realise this, but I'm looking at your notes, and Reeves assumed the big boy role, complete with head bandage with Patton <laughs> and Lewis chipping in for ruck duties. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Reeves did indeed end up with a head bandage, and I thought, well, that's nice, isn't it? That's a bit of symmetry there. It just rhymes. And uh, Amira played three quarters, didn't he? He looked all right. Well, according to notes from some people there, he was one of the best on for us. Yeah, well, he'd want to stand out at Mullwell, I reckon. <laughs> what is uh, what is Scully doing? Well, Scully was uh, reported, but uh, apparently was all over a bit of nothing. And uh, his opponent ran away afterwards, perfectly fine. It should be thrown out. So if anyone's sweating bullets over that one, I'd suggest they don't worry too much. So a bit of play on from the tribunal there, you reckon? I mean, it's probably their first sensible decision in the year, and it might be the last sensible decision of the year, Tiz. So you gotta you got to savour these moments. Yeah, because any bans incurred during this period, they uh, are served out in round one. Yeah, that's no, a little annoying like that, but I would expect that Tom Scully's fine to play, by all accounts. Uh, Burgoyne, you'd be pleased with this, mate. You want to see Burgoyne up forward. Well, you might do. He uh, He's looking a little ageless at this point in time for a 37-year-old. Doesn't look at his lively up forward, finished with three goals. Yeah, everyone can look good when they goal hang, mate. That's uh, <laughs> not a secret. That is an unnecessary <laughs> drive-by. I won't have it. No, I've been calling for for a couple of years now, and Burgoyne looks at home in his element in the uh, in the forward line, and I think his kind of cool head will lead to a few goals and and hopefully turn around that awful uh, stat we had for some of the most inside fifties without scoring. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to his impact. I got to talk about the three J's because there's there's uh, CJ 
And then there's HJ, and of course we have our own EJ now with Emerson Jacker. Yeah. CJ, I think we better put this photo up. It's, he, he's going back with the flight of the ball and he marks in front of about five blokes in a pack. Full stretch. Just ridiculously athletic. So in light of certain injuries, I'm thinking he's playing round one. You know what? And we'll get to the big injury news of the day. Um, I'm inclined to agree. He'd be my first pick. I know there's a few blokes scrapping for the particular position that we're discussing, but CJ would be my pick. He had a fair few highlights in what was essentially a homecoming game for him, Tiz. Uh, No stranger to Morwell. He made the Wall of Fame, which was a cute touch. (laughs) Did he? Oh, it was just a few people printed out some A4 photos and happened to stick him up on the wall, which is nice. Oh, that's cute. We've got his brother down at the club, Box Hill now, don't we? Uh, we do, I, th- I think it's his brother, isn't it? It's definitely a relation. And then Harry Jones was massive on the inside. Harry Jones is probably one of the first young guns of the day to really get people noticing and uh, and talking about him, uh, which is exactly what you want. You want him to pick up where he was before he was crawled with injury, and uh, he's been doing some tough stuff at the coalface, which is good to see. Yeah, he looked like he was going to debut late last year, didn't he? So He was on a roll. He was robbed of that, and he's coming back with a vengeance. And then, last but not least, the last J, the EJ, our very own EJ, <laughs> uh, got two goals in a minute, or so I'm told. Is that right? It was something like that. We heard it on the train as it was happening, and uh, we were pretty pleased. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime a guy that we've effectively strapped a rocket to... <laughs> is what we do here on this podcast anytime they get a sniff of some good form oh it's just such a joyous occasion it happened with Warple it happened with Lewis and now I think Jack is our guy for 2020 well he does look a likely type I mean I really like the way he moves and there's um there's some space in that forward line isn't there still for a tall forward (laughs) what do you reckon (laughs) yeah he might find it a little bit tough to uh squeeze in there but We'll see, we'll see. Hey, mate, he might play himself into the kind of form where you simply can't deny him any longer. You just never know. Speaking of blokes who play themselves into form, um, O'Brien, he copped an eye injury, didn't he? Yeah, it it shaped the entire match, really, because he went off quite early after copping a late blow to the eye. There was no 50-metre penalty. Uh, He left the ground looking a bit worse for wear, and... Didn't come back on. He, he How came late back are in, we talking? Oh, well, I wasn't there, mate, so I can only speculate. But, I mean, he came out from the rooms and his left eye was stuffed. It was nearly closed over. So, yeah, not not good. Doing his best banger impression, eh? <laughs> like, what it would have what it would have effectively done is, um, I think Patton and Lewis then had to chip in for ruck duties, as you said before, with Reeves. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, O'Ri- if O'Brien was the, one of those guys meant to take on that role. So it would have shaped a fair bit. Now, uh, the other bloke who's sort of looking at that small defender role is uh, Greaves, and he had a decent game again. Mm-hmm. And he'd also be completing with uh, Glass and Morrison, you'd think. That's right. I reckon Clarko would probably go for the most experienced bloke, though. I don't think he'd really take Greaves into round one, do you? I don't expect a round one debut. Uh, he is indeed gunning for it, but I'd be very surprised to see a debut on round one for us. And the Minch. He did something. <laughs> he did indeed. He uh, exploded with two goals in quick succession, which has got to be good. I mean, that that last spot, is it sewn up yet? Is it his? It feels like it's his. Well, I can't think of anyone else hanging around the club that's really putting their hand up for it, so I guess it is his. Anyone else that was in contention has kind of slipped off the radar, so yeah. 
it's only a matter of time now. Of course, you know, we still have this game against Melbourne and he can prove himself again there if he indeed makes that squad. But at this stage, it's got to be a pinch of minch to add to this uh, delightful dish that is the Hawthorne 2020 side. Well, I can see what they like about him. All the pressure acts are there. He looks um, pretty silky when he gets the ball, although nerves seem to be a problem in front of goal for him. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think... Maybe. I mean, we saw a little bit last year in Box Hill. I know he's injury prone and a lot of people are saying, you know, give it to a young kid that his hamstring isn't going to go bang in about round five but and, and sort of bank the talent away and, and we don't have to worry about uh, drafting for certain positions. But I think he deserves his spot at this stage. Yeah, at this stage he certainly does. And, uh, I mean, what we've got now for that small forward position it's just a lot of healthy competition. It's like the half-back role that we mentioned before. I think it's good that there's a bit of a fight for spots. Yeah, I saw you have a, a little uh, comment wall on Twitter about putting Poppy behind the ball. That not going to happen, Nick, eh? No, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that we uh, are that keen to rob our forward line of our best uh, defensive asset, if that makes sense. He, he simply adds too much there at this present time. Yeah, I, I don't think Poppy would be putting his hand up to go into the half-back, full-back line at his age. But, of course, all of this conjecture has come about from the uh, the fresh injury news that we received uh, bright and early this morning. It wasn't a great start to the Monday, hearing this. Hawthorne defender Blake Hardwick is set for an extended stint on the sidelines with a chest muscle injury. Chest muscle? The biggest chest muscle? The pec? The pec. How's he done that? How's he done his Gregory? <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't Frawley do a pec? A couple of years ago? I seem to recall he did. Um, someone pointed out on our Twitter at Hawk Talk Pod that Gibson did. Oh, well, that was 2015, I think, when Gibson did his pack. I don't remember the hard times, only the good times, Tiz. Everyone was out that year and we still won. <laughs> or was that 14? Can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> that's what happens though, isn't it? You win things and you forget all the all the drudgery to get there. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So Blake Hardwick, how long's he out? Well, uh, we had an update from uh, Luke Boyd. Uh, he's quoted here on the Hawthorne website as saying, Unfortunately, Dimmer collided with another player in a contest. In our most recent game against the Saints, he has ruptured his pectoral muscle. He requires surgery, and that will likely be a 12-week injury, Tiz. I really didn't think it was going to be that long. See, this is why they should ban the high five. <laughs> Mate, you don't need to ban the high five. You just need to know the secret to doing one well. Do you know the secret? Yeah, you, you taught me after I missed once. Yeah, again, you you don't remember the hard times, do you? <laughs> well, that'll put a spanner in the works, won't it? Yeah, it, it kind of does. It's it's a good backline we have, but is that the piece of the puzzle that we could have ill-afforded to have lost? I mean, that, that's a tough one to cover. Well, I, I can't remember us doing all that well against some small forwards recently. I mean, Charlie... Cameron, who we'll be seeing in round one, cut us up last year. So it is it is something we don't really do well. You've got to keep in mind as well, the 23-year-old Blake Hardwick, he played every game for the Hawks for the last two years, across 2018, 2019. And in both those years, Tiz secured top five finishes in our best and fairest. So it's been quite a while uh, that we've had him on deck, that he's been dependable and a very, he's provided very good service to this club. So this is not a problem that we're used to covering. No, but I mean, we've got Stratton, and I think Frost can play a smaller role. So I'm not too worried. 
Um, it is a long time for him, though. We heard from a few of our listeners on this one on Twitter, at Pod. We heard from PJ, how does our backline look without Hardwick? Follow up, how deep are we, and are we prepared for any injuries, etc.? I mean, the, the list is, is pretty good across most lines. The one that immediately comes to mind is Ruck. Um, but small small defender... It, it's just a it's a role that requires concentration and uh, and and quick you know quick of mind quick of body. It's not the hardest spot to fill. The hardest spot to fill is is the is the small forward or the centre half forward or the half forward flank that uh, distributes the ball and because they have to turn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I just don't think it's particularly ideal because um, Hardwick is just hugely underrated as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he gets any, any of his due from the media either. So I think this this will be a non-story as far as most uh, footy media pundits are concerned. But, I mean, for Hawthorne fans, like, we, we know a bit better. Well, a lot of them ran with it this morning, but uh, I think it's more than coverable by Clarko. Even if he needs to drop another bloke back, he can do that. You know, imagine if it's Frawley out, you know, and then he's out of touch for a couple when he comes back. So... You could never, you can never go through a season without any injuries, and we've got to remember that a few of these weeks are before the season actually starts. So, if you're going to do an injury, do it now rather than, you know, just before finals. I tell you what, we wouldn't want to lose Frawley because uh, Brand is just carving it up for Sydney at the moment, mate. Did he play well? Did he? <laughs> a team that got done by almost a hundred points. Sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, that can't all be his fault. No, 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 that's right. That's what I was saying when he was at Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, PJ's question, how does our backline look without Hardwick? I think worse. You think there's uh, this call for calm from from as far as you're concerned. They're not going to hit a panic button, mate. It's um, They've got a few weeks to prepare. It'll be fine. I don't. Do I sound panicky? I'm not panicky. I just think our backline is a bit worse without him. That's all. We might get to see Day early on. On debut. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a little bit frustrating that both Hardwick and Impey go down. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. We heard from Nat as well at Hawk Talk Pod. Extremely tall backline. Obviously the worry now. Also the big boy in defence thing can get in the bin. What are your thoughts? And we heard from Lachlan at Hawk Talk Pod. Do you think McAvoy down back is going to be a permanent fix? I don't think it's a great thing at all, the uh, McAvoy thing. I think I said that last time. I wanted to see the experiment fail so they could drop it. But <laughs> um, Because I, I really don't see it as being a sustainable... It, it depends how Clarko's going to use it. If he's going to use it like Salmon in the late 90s, and we're just um, playing counter-attack. That could work really well with a big key forward down there to kick long to in Patton, who just uses his bulk to protect the ball and bring it to ground for the guys running through. I can see that working. We're thinking Pagan's Paddock there a bit. Or, or I shouldn't call it Pagan's Paddock because Kennedy was uh, was doing that with Hutto for years. But anyway, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> they call it that. And uh, I can see that working, but I just I just think... It means that Timmy or someone else is definitely missing um, if you've got Segler and McAvoy in. Yeah, it does, because you'd be far too tall then. It's too much of a high-wire act, you know what I mean? Too many risks if it rains or yeah, the dew comes in and you're up at Gold Coast or, you know, 
Uh, I see what you did there. The Jew, the Gold Coast. I like that. I like that, mate. You switched on early in the season. Very good. <laughs> I wrote these down earlier, Nick. The thing about this McAvoy experiment is I think it's meant to be just that. I think it's supposed to be part of the playbook. I don't think it's a permanent fixture of what we're trying to do. So if we ever see it, it'll be in short bursts. Yeah, well, we were discussing how frustrated Clarko is with the, with the momentum changes we don't seem to be able to stop. So... I think this is one of his go-to, like castling in chess. You uh, you just shore up the defence. And I think McAvoy's pretty capable of making sure we don't get monstered down there. Well, he is a big boy, Tiz. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Anyway, it's interesting. I've been going through the Supercoach stuff, trying to work out which rucks to take and whether I want Nick Nat and all that kind of stuff. It's a bit of a struggle this early. Yeah. We went to the uh, State of Origin. That is fantasy football as far as I'm concerned. Some of the skills on display were exquisite. It was just beautiful to watch. And I guess conversely, I I felt like the entire crowd in attendance was much harsher on everyone when it didn't come together. Yeah, absolutely. The standard was was set pretty (laughs) high. And then Victoria looked awful for large portions. And then that last quarter, I think they shocked everybody. By just stringing goal after goal. Because there's the thought that, you know, that this is a charity exhibition game and uh, they might do the EJ Wooden thing of, oh, we'll just level it up and make it a bit of a spectacle and just felt the Vicks go, no, bugger this. (laughs) Just slammed on goal after goal. Get Matty Richardson to miss a goal after the siren or something, you know. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. But um, there was, I mean, that's a farce, but equally a farce was giving Dustin Martin the medal. I mean, that was, (laughs) maybe that's, maybe that's how they evened it up. I mean, let's address that for a second. He was, for mine, probably the most electrifying player on the ground. The, The crowd came to life whenever he got near it and he did some good things. Was he the best on the ground? No. Who did you, who would you have given it to? Kelly or someone like that or... Oh, probably Papley, the Swans' best. He was pretty good. Look, he was Papley pretty good. Papley kicked five in the end, didn't he? Did he kick five in the end? Because when he kicked one, I had a go at him because I didn't think he belonged there. He kicked a goal after we left, yeah. <laughs> well, mate, there's nothing on the line for us and you've got to get the train, so... There was a lot of people there too, 51,000. That's um, And they were paying, I forget which firm was giving a $10 note per head. But uh, that's a lot of money they raised, and it was a bloody good cause, too. It was, and a nice touch as well, having uh, people representing the emergency services out on the ground, and, you know, as they walked off, they walked off down the race right in front of where we were sitting, and massive cheer, standing ovation, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously been an incredibly tough summer, and when you can do something like that and celebrate their contribution, it was just, um, the whole evening had a good feeling about it. And uh, Cicely was having a good time behind the ball, wasn't he? <laughs> well, here and there, sure. Oh, he was uh, giving a bit of lip to Bruce every now and again. And <laughs> <laughs> you could tell. He was just having a great time out there. And he he, he genuinely got that I belong here look. Because there are a few players that felt, you know, you could see that they didn't really feel they should uh, impact their position and they were just holding it together and trying not to be exposed and stuff like that especially the defenders but uh, he was out there with a big smile on his face it was quite funny yeah Sicily didn't mind a bit of a jog around and I do emphasize the word jog yeah there were a couple of times he gave up real quick oh yeah it was quite but a lot of players did that 
I realised this uh, that the skills were on show were so elite that they didn't need to bother running to try and <laughs> stop this play because this was already done. <laughs> yeah. One of the really pleasing things about this game from a Hawks uh, perspective is the fact that we got through unscathed. I mean, there were no injuries. I don't think Sicily did amazingly well. Um, he was just kind of there, which is unlike him. But, you know, we've touched on the fact that he might not have given his best, which is fine. That's his prerogative. <laughs> um, we also had Smith and Bruce out there. Smith, he's certainly put his foot down. Yes, Smith was fantastic, I thought. Kicked a beautiful 60-metre goal, and then he got that one back from Eddie Betts to slam it through. Yep. And what? how many Bruce kick in the end? He had a, he had a lot of shots. Bruce and Smith kicked two each. There you go. I don't think there's a more complete contribution from a, from a, 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 a represented side. Do you? Was there any side that stood out to you from the from where we were sitting? Was there any side that looked like their players really couldn't be asked, or either that, or they're just not that good? Was um, <laughs> I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to set him up, people, because he he had a lot of words to say to one certain club that had turned up on the night and basically dogged it, didn't they? Did I actually? Because I don't remember a thing about that. The first team that came to mind for me just then was St Kilda. Well, they didn't have many people out there. I mean, look, I think they had one, didn't they? They Gresham, and that's it, didn't they? At least he kicked a goal. Yeah, yeah, he bobbed up. But who, who were you referring to? Who was I hard on? Well, you said at least now with Blasavs on uh, Hawkins, one of them might win a contest. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am funny. <laughs> and then Dangerfield ran round all night looking for a free kick, and he finally he finally got that fifty meter penalty, which I thought was a great effort from the umpire. <laughs> The Geelong were pretty useless considering the star power they had. And even, you know what, I think you've touched on something. I think Hawthorne did have the most even contribution. Collingwood were up there, GWS too. You know, they really they really had some representatives out there. But uh, Pendlebury, how good's that bloke? Wow. Oh, yeah, he goes all right, I guess. <laughs> it's incredible to see some of the passing and the fact that the defenders just would give up because they that's what they do in, in, in ordinary games. But, oh, it was just the the level of it. And I it, at some point it struck me that if it was still the VFL, you know, and we got rid of all these interstate sides, geez, it would be a much better competition, wouldn't it, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit harsh. <laughs> I want to tie a bow in this because we could talk about State of Origin all night, but the fact is we're here to talk Hawthorne stuff. And uh, look, what do you take out of, out of the State of Origin game if you're a Hawks fan? I would say maybe not too much. Let me try and summarise it. Sicily didn't give a crap, did Sicily things occasionally when he was asked. Fine, he's good, nothing to worry about there, no injury to him. Bruce uh, kicked a lazy two, uh, he looks to be in good nick. Smith is the one I'm most excited about out of the three. Well, I would take out that the last time we had representatives in the state of origin, Hawthorne won a premiership. So there you go. Ooh, omen watch, as the outer sanctum would say. <laughs> Look out, we're coming. Did you see that ridiculous stat about leap years? I did, I did. That is a, that's a weird one, isn't it? So who's ever on the top of the ladder at the end of round one in a leap year wins the premiership in 2000, 04, 08, 12, unfortunately, 16, and maybe this year. There you go. So uh, we're going to have to pummel them, aren't we, Brisbane? Yeah, because that's where it starts. 
Yeah, it's a big game. Uh, it was already a big game. Uh, can I just check in with you? How are you feeling about that round one clash? I imagine we'll revisit this question in the coming weeks, but as it stands right now, what do you reckon? Well, as long as they don't let Charlie Cameron ghost round defenders like he was the other night, he could have had that many goals. It's ridiculous. He, he was just moving beautifully. So, uh, I don't know. I'll have to watch Brisbane again to see how they're travelling, but I wouldn't expect that they would uh, be anything like underdone for their first round after their pitiful performance in the finals. Uh, mate, we better take a break, uh, a so-called ad break, one of our first, and get to some social media stuff. How about that? Uh, yep, sure. Yep. It's just us again, but, you know, we're, t- we're just taking a bit... Look, it, we'll get back to some Hawk stuff in a sec. We're just doing the social media stuff in the middle this time. You just want to read the review, that's all. All right, go on, <laughs> off you go. We did have a delightful review on Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review us there. 225 ratings, which is good to see. We heard from Statue Guy, who said, Anyone can talk about something, but to do so consistently with the level of intelligence, information, and an entertaining manner is rare, and this podcast stands out from the rest. Nick and Tears are like putting on highlight reels of Hawk's highlights in that you're always excited about what you're about to experience. A podcast from more than just fans. They analyse the substantial matters, consider the hard topics, and leave you wishing that the pods went longer than the mere 50-60 minutes. Keep it up, gentlemen. Well, after that review, Statue Guy, our podcast might have gone 60 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) We thank you for that extremely detailed and lovely review. Yeah, that's that's very kind from Statue Guy. I wonder who that could be. (laughs) Someone who wants a statue, I suppose, would be my guess. Uh, No, that's considerable praise there from Statue Guy. We really appreciate it. Uh, You can jump on Twitter as well, at HawkTalkPod. We're nearing 2,000 followers. Can we reach it before round one, Tiz? One way to find out, you've got to jump on board at Hawk Talk Pod. You can find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash hawktalkpod, as uh, we build that community there as well. And we've got Patreon. Subscribe and support the show. Big things coming up on Patreon, some bonus apps, and our uh, guide to season 2020 is due out soon. Yeah, well, that's a document, isn't it? It's not a podcast. That'll be like an AFL record, but completely one-eyed for Hawthorne supporters. That's how you've got to think of it. That's how it's shaping up. Now, I've had a look at the prototype, and uh, you've actually done well with the brown and gold colour scheme. It. Uh... I'm not going to lie. It was a challenge <laughs> uh, and continues to be a challenge as we edge towards putting that out for uh, for public consumption. And it will be going to Patreon subscribers first, but uh, we'll have a general release as well. But uh, if you do want to support the show to make stuff like that happen, uh, patreon.com slash Pod. All right, so apparently Hawthorne are going to re-revolutionise football again, and uh, it's all due to the fact that we played St Kilda in a pre-season game and went up the guts more times than, um, well, let's say Champion Data thought we would have. Is that is that the size of it? It's the sample size of it, Tiz. <laughs> They've used one game and compared it to 2019. Are they just taking the piss down at Champion Data now? They just ah oh, look, you know they, they've scheduled some sort of interview or check in with a rep from Champion Data, and they've gone. Oh, I've got to have something to talk about. Yeah, I think it's because it's highly palatable. Everyone wants greater scoring. They want more exciting football. They want the guy running up the middle with the ball, looking for pattern to kick a score. But to to take it so far as this, we lost McAvoy. Uh, St Kilda were guarding the wings. 
Um, we didn't have Sicily, we didn't have Scrimshaw to sort of uh, bring the ball out from defence, so we ran it up the middle. It's not hard. Um, and it worked fairly well for a lot of it. You know, but to say that we're going to do that for the rest of the year, absolute garbage. But it will be a tactic because we have that, that key forward down there now. Absolute garbage, but it will be a tactic. Okay, well, last year, right, we based... Basically, we were unpredictable coming out of defence. Now, if you're predictable coming out of defence, it's over already. It's done. You're not going to get forward. So we went at uh, 38.6 on the boundary, 27% in the corridor, and the wing we took 34.4%, right? So there is a substantial increase in the corridor. But let's see what happens, eh, against Melbourne. Indeed, Tiz. Let's see what happens this Friday night. But I understand out at Morewell it was back to the old sort of control the football, go up the wing, get some space, switch it, bring it back. Do you think the article had anything to do with that? Or Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're uh, not only are they paying for the data from Champion Data, but they're trying to manipulate the data from Champion Data as well. Yeah. Nah. Well, okay, you seem sceptical. Would, would it help, would it convince you any, if I told you that one of Tim Watson's sources said about a month ago that they predicted watching... Hawthorne at training, that this would be their tactic. Have I convinced you? It feels a little bit like watching Geelong when they do it, but they don't seem to do it as well as Geelong did it during, you know, 08, 09, 10. But I love the look of that. It, it, it always appeals to me that that running wave of football is through the centre. Yeah, it's, it's pleasing to the eye. It's exhilarating. But what I think they were seeing was if we've got McAvoy behind the ball and we've got a very defensive lineup. Hmm. We want counter-attacking football with with pace. And, of course, the fastest way to get it forward before your opponents can react is to go straight at goal. Yeah. Straight lines. As the crow flies. Yeah, but probably not an AFL crow. Anyway, <clears throat> actually, speaking of AFL crows, what about Walker? <laughs> what about him? You want to talk more state of origin? Yeah, we watched him the other night and we were sitting there going, you know, he wanted out of Adelaide, don't you? And um, Goodwin approached him trying to get him to Melbourne. I, I said to you, would, he, would you want him at Hawthorne? And you said... No. A little bit more forcefully than that, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've calmed down a bit since, what, two days ago. <laughs> uh, he's a he's an interesting man, old uh, Walker. Polarising figure. That's what can happen when you build your team around a player like that, you know, if they stop performing. And that's something that'll never happen with Clarko. He's got a whole squad and they're all drilled and they're all just feel they're just as important to the whole cause. Half the battle psychologically, isn't it? I'll tell you what, Stratton looks a bit more appealing now that uh, we don't have Hardwick. Going to be a lot more expectation on him. Now, he likes to have a role, Stratton. He loves um, to beat his opponent, so I think he'll relish... um, I think we've got a fairly fairly good set of uh, small forwards coming up in the first few rounds. You've got Charlie Cameron and that bloke that used to be at um, Christensen. He used to be at Geelong. And then uh, at Frio, you've probably got Walters. On to Geelong, we'll have Gary Ablett. He'll be sitting forward, you'd imagine. So um, there's Jamie Elliott in there as well at Collingwood. You know, he's got his he's got some work cut out for him, but nothing's beyond him there. Well, I don't think anything is beyond him in that regard because every time he seems to meet Eddie Betts, he tells him up. And, uh, you know, you might say now, well, Eddie Betts is getting on a bit, but 
I'm talking the Adelaide days. I'm talking like for a number of years, Stratton has played a good role on one of the premier small forwards in the comp. Don't forget about Angus. We can't forget Angus. Oh my God, you will not let it go. (laughs) He blanketed him. Angus Litherland. Oh my goodness, how did we ever lose him? You have to say his name because there'll be some (laughs) listeners who have no idea who you're talking about. You're like, yeah, the rusted on fans know. Speaking of things that we've mentioned quite enough, I know you're not going to want to stay on this topic for too long. And we won't. We won't. I promise you. I know you're sick to death of talking about it. Uh, We're back on the pokies again, mate. Are we? Okay. (laughs) I I just wanted to check in with a news story that came out. Uh, We're prompted by Jules here at Hawk Talk Pod. With the sale of a gaming venue and the retirement of Kenneth from his position, will the Hawks finally be transitioning from gambling revenue? And this followed an article that came out uh, that reads, Jeff Kennett has confirmed Hawthorne are exploring the possibility of selling some of their poker machines, but insists it's not part of a philosophical switch from the club to exit the gambling industry. Yep, well, that pretty much pours water on them selling it, doesn't it? Well, according to Kennett, as the article goes on to say, they quote him on a few things, and we're basically looking at strategies to uh, make Dingley happen. The fact is, we've got to afford it somehow. And uh, if that involves selling uh, Westwaters... It's not for any philosophical reason. That's what he's saying, right? Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. Okay. That is probably the disappointing part of the article. Is he? Is he just? Is that just the vanguard of his argument? He's like, uh, well, it's not for any philosophical reason, but we think we might be able to get to the target we need quicker if we just flog these things. Is that what we're looking at here? or? Well, yeah, essentially you've summed that up pretty well, I think. Otherwise, if you're going to flog it, why don't you just make it look good? You know, why don't you just say what everyone wants to hear? What's the point in in him doing this? (laughs) You reckon he missed an opportunity here? Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a if it's if you can put a cherry on the top and make everyone think, well, you know, Hawthorne have come to the party. What great fellas! No, Jeff's gone. Actually, it's got nothing to do with the (laughs) philosophy of it. Uh, We just thought it might be a quicker way to get to our target money that we need to start the. Process. He's straight shooting as Jeff. You can't deny him that. Entirely too practical, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, where's the PR strategy in that? <laughs> I, I do concede it's an odd one. Look, I, if that's what it takes to get us away from pokies, is trying to afford Dingley, then fine. I don't care. If that is the means to an end, then fine. Now, the other odd thing is he dropped a letter to all us members and said, you know, gave us an update, and then, what is it, 12 hours later, he's uh, sort of... It's like a rumour. Is it substantiated that he's going? This this is the last year, or was that an interview? How did that crop up? Because you'd think he'd just release that to us. Yeah, so he announced his exit at the end of this year, and um, this followed, as he said, there was a letter to members that didn't make any mention of it, and then he... Uh, it seemed to be an interview of some kind with someone from News Corp that he mentioned, yeah, I'm bowing out, I'm taking my exit at the end of the year. And, I don't know, it just seemed a bit odd that he wouldn't do it through a more official channel. Yeah, and he usually likes to control that narrative about his own career, so it was a little odd. The thing is, like, again, straight shooting, and to use another gun metaphor, sticking to his guns, is Jeff Kennett, because he did say that he was only here for a particular period of time, and he's reached that period of time and then that's it so he hasn't he hasn't deviated from that it is just as you say the manner in which this was communicated which seems a little strange well i mean the the club fell upon him to to lead again because we were a little bit uh leaderless we were rudderless for a while weren't we and uh 
I don't know. Who's next? Well, I have to believe that they have someone on... Hang on. Well, I have to believe they have someone in mind, right? I don't know. I think he's just putting up the shingle. Uh, there's going to be a job here soon. <laughs> and he asks others to to put their hand up. I think this is an advertising without having to pay seek. <laughs> and again, I find myself pondering the peculiarity of that strategy, Tiz. <laughs> that is a strange one. He's a very smart man. He's a very capable man. Clearly, he's he's led this club, and uh, he's come back, and his second term has been great. But uh, he's an interesting character, isn't he? He is, and I think Hawthorne are far better for him. Yes. Um, but I'm uh, I'm desperate to find out who's next, to be honest, after they bug it up. Well, I mean, we had one bloke come in for, for four years. We... Went to four grand finals. We won three of them. Then he buggered off. And <laughs> do you re- do you reckon we could get him back? <laughs> he was the charm because he's on the uh, he's on the AFL commission now, isn't he? Um, Newbold, and I think Chris Langford must be uh, at a loose end now. I think he's got he's in the private sector, but I don't think he holds any role at AFL House anymore, does he? So I'd like to see him back at the club. He's more than capable. Well, it's one to mark down as watch this space. I think. Um, I don't think we'll see any movement on it for a while, but we do know that as planned, as communicated, Kenneth is going to leave. He'll be done at the end of the year, so there'll be changes on that front at least. And, of course, we shouldn't discount the current members of the board who might be elevated to the position. That's true. That is indeed true. Hey, uh, speaking of changes, there's been a pretty significant one coming out of AFL House today. Did you see this? Uh, for the first time Significantly since... insignificant, yes. <laughs> for the first time since 1994, goal umpires will no longer be forced to return to the centre of the goals to signal a major. Finally, they're unshackled, Tiz. The goal umpires have their freedom. Yeah, I didn't know they had a union, but apparently they do and it's worked. <laughs> They've been given a licence to award a goal between the goalposts. This is, okay, what I'm reading, listeners, is not my copy. Okay, this is from the AFL website. They've been given a license to award a goal between the goalposts using the shortest distance and time from where they're positioned when a ball sails through. It will also ensure the goal umpires have fewer mechanical movements in signalling a goal. This is uh, a, a word soup that's trying to communicate how Channel 7 can get those three seconds back where the goal umpire returns to the middle to put more ads on. That's what it is. <laughs> that, I mean, if that is the case, that is incredibly petty. Like, that, that is just... Kerry Stokes has been... That's, that's kept him up nights, actually. He's been thinking, how on earth can I get three more seconds out of every goal? I think it is wild to say mechanical movements instead of, you know, walking. Because that's what they're referring to. Mate, it's it's unions. It's unions. I'm telling you now, it's unions. They don't want it to look mechanical because they're forecasting robots doing their job. Okay? <laughs> and this is the only way they can avoid going completely tech-friendly, making sure we get all the goals and points right, and having a little robot come to the middle and go... Like that, to signal. Mate, the goal umpires needn't worry. Their closest technological competition is the arc, and we know that's rubbish, so (laughs) don't even worry about that. (laughs) They're safe as houses. Don't worry about that. No, I just just think this weird flowery language of, like, mechanical movements. Why does it it need to be so... 
I think I'm going to buy you a copy of the rules of the game and uh, you're going to be surprised at how poetic and flowery that language can be. Actually, I, you know, I renege on poetic and flowery. It's, it's actually alien. It's how, like, an alien would describe how people move. <laughs> oh, yes, mechanical movements. Just say walking. Just say walking. <laughs> anyway, it's funny. We heard from one of our listeners, Regan, on this, at Hawk Talk Pod. Bravo, AFL, on the less mechanical movements line. I'll use that around the house when the better half asks me to do something. Can't, sorry, restricting my mechanical movements at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But there are a couple of uh, umpires that do look entirely alien, as you suggested. Don't you you agree? Oh, come on, there's no need for this. What, are you going to name and shame for people's appearance? No, 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 it's just the way they move. Whereas if you go back and you look at the 80s and, and, you know, Tucky might kick a goal from 70 out and it catches the goal umpire by surprise and he signals the goal from the points immediately. It It just seems more organic. So you like the organic approach. And you're for this change. You, you want it to revert how it was. I kind of like the theatrics of moving back to the centre to call it. I'm going to miss that. Only if it's... Uh, that's only important if it's been... If you think it might have been touched. Yeah, maybe. There's no theatrics otherwise. It's just a delay in, in, the, uh, in the celebration. Oh, what? So the entire time the umpire's moving back to the centre, they're going, shit, 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 shit. What do I call it? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's time to make up your mind. Yeah, I I like the um the immediacy of the call. That's what I want. I don't want that bit where you've got people already celebrating on the other side of the stadium who've seen it go through, and then everybody in the pocket who's got the worst seats imaginable because it just looks like four matchsticks next to one another, and they have to try and see if the ball went in front of that one before it went in front of the other one. Uh, they come in about five seconds later with their applause. Let's get them all going together. Give the goal umpire something to do. Get them to walk up to the middle of the goal line and let them play conductor for that one brief shining moment. And they stretch those arms out and, and, and there's a section of the crowd that all goes up because we all know, barring arc review, it was a goal. Now they're bit players. Listen, the last thing we want is a goal umpire stealing the limelight. Now we can't have fun. <laughs> It'll also be because they, uh, I don't know, who cares? <laughs> and just like that, we move on. And we move on to listener <laughs> questions, thank goodness. So Frank has asked, in light of Hardwick's injury and Minch being a standout at Morwell, can Poppy go to the back line? Well, we, I sort of threw that at you earlier and you very much threw that back at me as a terrible suggestion for a bloke that played every game last year, and I agree entirely. Okay, there you go. I mean, I don't mean to poo-poo. It's nothing against Frank. I mean, the thing is, like, you have to scramble and get creative with these things when someone like Hardwick goes out, and I can see where he's coming from, but I just think it robs the forward line too harshly, and he's not the only one to suggest it, to be fair. Uh, Jacob then came on with... uh... On the eve of the season, which Hawthorne players are capable of making the All-Australian team in 2020? Well, I'm going to nominate James Sicily to finally get the job done. Yeah, well, I mean, we've had we've got some previous All-Australians in the team, so if we're naming ones that uh, can make it for the first time... Um, well, let's say Jager Amir can make it for the first time. He's certainly looking promising. I wouldn't be that shocked. And uh, anybody who's made it before probably can, apart from Burgoyne. Wingard's been an All-Australian before. Uh, Mitchell, Gunston, Bruce, to name but a few. We had any Backman. Frawley's been All-Australian, hasn't he? Uh, I think that's while he was while he was at Melbourne. That's, okay. 
And Nick Vines has uh, asked this question, primarily due to the fact that he plays Supercoach. Do we think <laughs> Warple will be affected with Mitchell coming back, or do you think we will see him spend a bit of time forward? And uh, he will definitely be affected by Mitchell coming back. He'll be receiving the ball more often than he was last year, hopefully in space. But you might see that as a result of that, he doesn't get as many kicks, so your super coach score might go down. And rather than kicking hurriedly, he'll try to find an, another player to um, to hit up with a handball. Talk about narrow casting. You're speaking to one guy's super coach team. Yeah, well, he, well, he won't be out of the pressure zone yet, but he'll be looking for, say, Scully or Hendo or Smith on the outside still, um, whereas before he might have hurriedly kicked it. But there's more pressure on him to find a target when he receives it from Tom Mitchell or Jager Amiri, you see. Um, and he will be spending time forward, won't he? Well, I wouldn't mind a Warple cameo forward. I mean, I've had some very good memories of Warple being up forward. In- oh, he's got, a, he's got a sense forward. He can put it on the outside of his boot like Dusty Martin did the other night. Yes. I'm, I'm thinking about that goal he kicked against Collingwood where he was struggling early and uh, he just put it on the outside of the boot. Yep, that's right. He had a good one in round one against Adelaide last year as well. That was a good win. Anyway, I've got to start preparing myself for Friday. Uh, bloody Melbourne. Yeah, this is your time to shine, mate. Practice game against Melbourne. Well, it is a practice game. I've got to keep reminding myself that because I hate them. And it just... I still want to beat them. It's it's ridiculous. I know Melbourne have to prove themselves. I've been watching the episodes where they're all so sensitive and available emotionally and uh it it just grinds my gears i hate it and it makes me hate them even more i don't know why i just this is the documentary series to helen back is that what they're calling it because they ain't back they're not back in any sense of the word uh this this is a documentary series i think you rightly said is what you publish when you win a premiership or when you do something successfully that's right this is the backstory to winning. Yes. Um, for them to go with it early, either they reckon, well, we've got the content, we might as well spill it, or they're that, you know, what are, what are they doing? I don't understand. Anyway, I want a reckoning on Friday, and it's going to be great. <laughs> well, we look forward to that. It's down in Tassie, isn't it, Friday night? It is. It is down in Tassie. All right. Well, uh, I reckon I'll jump on the tweets again. First live tweeting of the year. It'll be good. Keep people posted, anyone who can't see the game or just simply wants to follow along with us at Hawk Talk Pod. Oh, yeah. I don't envy you that, mate. <laughs> no, you, you've handed the reins back to me after doing a very good job for that one uh, Marsh Series match. I had to watch that and kill the game again for completeness. You know? <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> oh, man. You don't want to do that. You don't <laughs> want to do that to yourself. <laughs> who wants to watch a Marsh Series game twice? Come on. Especially with Bradley Hill running around like he did. Uh, I guess we should wrap up. I mentioned Twitter, obviously, at HawkTalkPod. We're climbing towards 2,000 followers, so help us out there. Twitter.com slash HawkTalkPod. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well, Facebook.com slash HawkTalkPod. In terms of actually listening to the show, you want to find us on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us there. There's also other podcast apps you can find us. Uh, we're on Patreon as well, which is the best place to actually, you know, sling us a bit of coin. Support the show so we can grow it and make it bigger and better. Patreon.com slash HawkTalkPod. We've got that 2020 season preview coming out as well, so uh, 
keep an eye out for that. And uh, just today, Tiz, since we're into plugs and stuff, I thought we might plug uh, the new podcast coming out from uh, Ash Brown and Co. Yeah, it's called The Golden Years. It's called The Golden Years Podcast with Ashley Brown, Andrew Weiss and Darren Levin. Three pretty fanatical Hawks guys, it's fair to say, Tiz. Yeah, we met them out of the Interclub the other week, didn't we? Yep. That was a good day, watching John O'Patton and getting uh, very excited about what he possibly could do during the real season. <laughs> There's plenty to like in his game there that particular day, but also great to meet the guys. Uh, obviously, we know Ash pretty well. He's been on this podcast before, so uh, happy to give his show a plug. It's going to be a ripper. So as far as we know, it's going to be a bit of a walk down memory lane as far as the club's concerned. Well, it's called The Golden News because that's our famous uh, tome about Hawthorne's past. And uh, as I understand it, they're doing highlights from matches across the years. So there have been some incredible matches Hawthorne have been involved with, record-breaking matches and, and, and individual performances that beggar belief. So it should be a great listen. No shortage of things to discuss. Yeah, it's going to be incredible to uh, just have a look at this very proud club's history, and uh, I'm going to enjoy it. I know you're going to be into it too, mate. Yeah, it'll be good to uh, have a podcast to listen to just purely about Hawthorne that I'm not on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, isn't it? I mean, one of the things that we bang on about here on the Hawk Talk podcast is building the community, and this is part of that. So uh, go and listen to this podcast by a friend of the show, Ash Brown, and uh, Andrew and Darren. It's going to be an absolute ripper. We can't wait for it. It's called The Golden Years. It should be out in the next week or fortnight or so. Look, either way, we're going to plug it on our social media. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. So we're not heading down to Tassie this week, are we? <laughs> no, we are heading down to Tassie eventually uh, in April to watch the Anzac Day clash between Hawthorne and West Coast. But for now, we're going to be watching uh, the second Marsh Series clash for Hawthorne against Melbourne from the comfort of, well, I don't know if I want to be around you, mate. How passionate do you get when it comes to beating Melbourne? Well, let's just say I've been on the cusp of losing the MCC membership a couple of times. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) That is slightly concerning. Uh, Cheering them as they leave the arena was a particular low point. Um... (laughs) All class, mate, all class. Anyway... Dear, oh dear, this is taking a turn. Uh, you're you're genuinely excited though. You you what? You really want to beat Melbourne on Friday night? Well, there's that, and then there's also could we just please make them feel like they're just running on top of the ground, and then when they get to West Coast in round one, it hits them all again. It could be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what shades of that prelim? Oh yes. Oh. Anyway, enough of that. There'll be plenty of that on the next podcast. Oh, <laughs> yes, because this is only part one of our road to round one. We'll be back with part two next week. We'll have more to talk about. I assume there'll be more club news, but at the very least, we'll recap what should be an absolutely stellar contest in Tassie against uh, your arch rivals, your your nemeses, Melbourne. Yeah, and, uh, and perhaps we'll be able to pick another one of their good players out of their club by the end of the year. Anyway. <laughs> so plenty to look forward to here on the Hawk Talk podcast. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.